Today on the Daily Gator Daily Thoughts, we have a nice self-defense story that'll cheer you up, make you feel better about yourself. Uh, we've got a story about how the city of Chicago is not really interested, apparently, in stopping violent crime. We've got a very honest take on President Biden and his uh, mental acuity and whether he's, let's not be honest and ask the question, should, is he truly fit for office? We've got a story out of Alabama that can only come from, by God, Alabama. Okay, you hear what I'm saying you there? That's right, boy, get my shotgun. And uh, we're going to praise a government agency for doing something filled with common sense and more common sense and topped off with common sense whipped cream on top. Yes, I'm being serious. I'm not being sarcastic. And we're also going to look at the worst, most offensive, best, and God help us, the sexiest mascots in college sports. Sexiest? Really? I thought that's what the cheerleaders were there for. All that, my friends, and maybe a little more, you never know. Today on the 112th edition of the Daily Gator Daily Thought. Come on, kids. Let's kick this pig. friends. <clears throat> Let's start out with some good news. Some news that makes me smile. News that should make you smile. And news that is far more common than our mainstream media allows us to, to understand and to realize. Usually these stories of armed self-defense come from local stations, local affiliates who do an infinitely better job than the mainstream media. Possibly because the local outlets are still somewhat held by maybe the moral standard of wanting to inform the local people about, obviously, traffic, uh, weather, the local news, things of that nature. And this story is from uh, the city of Phoenix, from ABC 15 there. And Phoenix, if you don't know it, or if you went to Florida State, is in the state of Arizona. That's right. Good for you, Seminole fans. And Arizona is kind of a crazy state. Very hot. 
Oh, I know it's a dry heat. You don't sweat or anything. You just burst into flames. <laughs> oh, yeah. When it gets 115 degrees, it's freaking hot. Okay. Uh, but a very Second Amendment friendly state. And for armed home invaders, or should I say failed home invaders, ran into someone who apparently does, like me, also believe deeply in the Second Amendment and the ability and God-given liberty and natural right. That means it comes from God, you leftists, not from government. But these thugs, four thugs, found out that, uh, yeah, some people carry uh, have firearms in their homes and kicking in a door might get you killed. Although in this case, sadly, it did not. But the story from 357 Magnum, wheel gun dot blogspot.com if you want to be official zendo deb one of the great bloggers out there specializing in stories about self-defense the title is this armed home invaders meet armed homeowner this never happens of course the brady center and gabby giffords and all the other gun control nutcases these stories don't actually happen except they do a lot and there is a video attached if you want to go to ABC 15 uh, in Phoenix and, and watch. But the video shows four men, some of whom appear to be armed. They kick in the front door. The victim or potential victim would have would have been a victim, got his handgun and fired multiple rounds toward the front door. And the suspects, surprisingly, shockingly, could be seen on the footage running like their asses were on fire, quite frankly. And they did. They were they were moving very quickly, and they got into their little uh, silver uh, sedan, I believe it was. It's kind of grainy video. It's not the best video. And fled the area. I don't know why they were trying to... Uh, I don't know why they were trying to break in. But they picked the wrong damn house. Uh, the only comparable video I've seen was in the daytime. And it was, I believe, two carloads of just thugs. They get out with their stupid gang masks on and, you know, their, their identity disguise. And they're thugging out. And apparently the gentleman who lived there, I don't know why they were trying to break in his house. But he had a lot of cameras set up where he could note and you see on his his uh, security camera you see the two vehicles pull up you see the all the armed thugs come out and as soon as they get kind of i believe it was on the front porch and toward the door you see the windshields of the two vehicles start exploding he was unloading with a i believe it was a 44 magnum pistol he just starts unloading and you see the the windshields just smashing and glass flying everywhere. And you see all these little wannabe thugs just running like hell to get back in their vehicles and get the hell out of there. Uh, obviously, they picked the wrong house. Uh, very cheerful. I, that puts me in a good mood. And people say, oh, you shouldn't cheer when bad, when, even if they're bad people. If they get hurt, you shouldn't be happy. Yes, I should. Evil is bad. People are going to kick in your front door armed to the teeth. They're out to do something very bad to you. Possibly kill you and everyone in the house. 
Could be many things they could be doing. You know what? When bad things happen to them instead, I'm happy about that. And if your moral barometer is working, I think you would cheer the same thing, folks. So good news from Phoenix. Bravo to the homeowner. And uh, hopefully the thugs will learn a valuable lesson and never, ever, 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 ever try to do that again. Sadly, though, I don't think so. And this is why. Let's look at the city of Chicago. Man, Chicago. The pizza is deep. The corruption is deeper. Uh, Also from 357 Magnum blog. And a question that Deb asked is, how serious is Chicago about, you know, stopping violent crime? Apparently not very serious. Mercy is a wonderful value, she writes, but boneheaded or should that be soft-headed? Naivete is not what we need from a criminal justice system. Good Lord, can I get an amen or 500 on that one? Case in point, and read the headline, folks. A man faces felony gun charge less than 48 hours after having a gun case dropped in what is called restorative justice court. This is from uh, CWBChicago.com. Uh, they cover a lot of stories about police, the the law enforcement, the prosecution of, of thugs, and uh, for, about the city of Chicago. Great resource website. You can get a lot of information there. And basically, I guess this restorative justice court is somebody does something really bad. But for some reason, this incessant need to make excuses for them and to get them back on the right path. But in doing so, oftentimes they put innocent people, innocent lives in peril. And here you have a clear case. Less than 48 hours after having a gun case dropped against them, as in you're free to go, go and send no more. What was that? I can send within 48 hours? Okay, great. Uh, You get a break in one of these restorative justice courts, and then you go out and do the same thing you were in trouble for before, basically. And Deb writes, in an effort, misguided some might say, to offer young people a second chance, Cook County established what what are called restorative justice courts. Today's winner in that court had listened closely. Four. Not one, not two, not three. No, no, no. The week winner today has four felony gun charges, kids. Dropped. Four charges dropped when he entered a uh, repair of harm agreement, whatever the blue hell that is. I'm not going to look it up. I'm just not. Do that yourselves. Repair of harm agreement. What are you going to do? Unshoot the people you shot? Unthreaten the people that you threatened with a gun? Again. Everything went great for about a day and a half. Early Sunday, police responded to a service station on the 300 block of West Chicago after an employee called 911 about a man in a car who refused to leave the lot. Prosecutors said cops arrived and allegedly found Rodriguez asleep in the car with a loaded pistol sitting on his lap. What a winner. What a what an absolute walking brain donor. 
And Deb notes that, and while they are dropping felony gun charges left, right, and yes, center, in Chicago, the left will stand up and claim, we need more, what? Gun laws. Okay, you have the gun laws. You arrest people for it. Then you let them go. What in the hell is wrong with you people? You would almost believe that they don't really give a damn about the violent felons and criminals and innocent people being victimized and killed. And the families being killed with grief over their loved one getting killed by some thug that shouldn't be out on the street. You think they almost care less about those people than they do about blaming firearms, the Second Amendment, and your right to defend yourself. Of course, you're dealing with leftists. So you can pretty much persuade me to believe anything where leftism and evil connect and have a, uh, an orgy of evil, frankly. Just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Chicago, Cook County. Uh, more laws. We won't enforce the laws. We'll try to forbid you from having a gun if you're an innocent law-abiding citizen. But we're not going to go prosecute people who have guns illegally and are threatening people or committing crimes. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to go after the lawful gun owners who don't hurt anybody. Chicago, what an absolute shithole. Yes, that's right. I said it. Shithole. Because of trash like that, my friends. Absolutely unforgivable. I can see a lot of crimes, letting somebody walk out, dropping charges, sentencing them to cust- uh, community service or, or something, talking to other kids their age or people their age about why you shouldn't do this. Why you shouldn't do that? Why you should commit these? That's fine. But violent people, no, don't let them out, for God's sake. Yeah, It's like these people are so stupid, they would, they would stick their own head under the water so they couldn't breathe, and then start trying to breathe without getting their head out of the water. That's how stuck on stupid uh, they really are. Again, could not pay me to live in the shithole of Chicago. And yeah, I'm sure. Part of it's great. I'm sure. Great, great, great. But you got, I guess, the south side and the west side. They ain't so great for the people living there and the drive-by shootings and the gangs they have to tolerate and put up with. And I'm sure the law enforcement's about had it with arresting scumbags and having jackass DAs. They'll let them with jackass judges. Well, just let them go. Well, we'll have a restorative court or something. We'll, we'll give them a lollipop, tell them don't do any more. Any ankle monitor. Good Lord, the stupidity, folks. The stupidity. And speaking of stupidity, uh, let's let's uh, let's move to the Biden administration, the mumbling, bumbling administration, and uh, from BearCreek.com, Animal Magnetism blog. The gentleman who blogs there goes by the name Animal. And hey, that's his business. He lives in Alaska. If you can handle living in Alaska, to me, you're a badass. I have no criticism of you. And he starts like this. He says, the failures of of President Biden's handlers are manifest. But here is a great uh, bit. And... uh, that little tone you heard was apparently a, uh, well, not apparently, it was a little thing from uh, 
from the news that uh, Charlie Watts of the uh, Rolling Stones has uh, has passed away. He was uh, apparently 80 years old. So I guess that's kind of breaking news. Um, rest in peace to Charlie Watts. Long, long, long time member of the Rolling Stones. One of the greatest rock bands in history. Uh, a lot of great tunes and a lot of great memories the Stones have given people through their music. And God bless you, Charlie Watts. Uh, but back to this story. There's a piece at the American Spectator written by Dominic Green that Animal has referenced here and quoted from. And basically the argument Dominic Green is making is it's time for Biden to R-E-S-I-G-N. That's right. Resign. Here's an excerpt from that piece. Joe Biden is unfit to be president of these United States. It was obvious when he was running for office that he lacks the physical stamina and mental acuity for the job. Yes, it was, but we were too obsessed with mean tweets. It has become increasingly obvious since January that the part-time president has either hidden from the media or stumbled through the kind of scripted press conferences that Americans rightly used to deride as the hallmark of banana republics. The handling of the withdrawal from Afghanistan has exposed Biden's incapacity. The painful truth is now undeniable. <clears throat> he must go. Even if that means Kamala Harris, dear God help us, uh, who has been similarly wrong about Afghanistan and much else besides taking over, they say success has many fathers, but failure is an orphan. This failure is a two-parent family. One is the mother of all institutional failures. The inadequacy of technocrats so convinced of their intellectual and moral superiority that they respond to the intrusions of reality with snark and pique. An administration is exquisitely sensitive to pronouns, bathrooms, and fictitious forms of self-identification self-identification, excuse me, has shown itself to be brutally insensitive to the fate of Afghans who have risked all by self-identifying as allies of the United States and everything it once stood for. This is a disgrace to, you, to the United States. Hard as it may be to believe, people all over the world still look to the United States as the last and best hope. The administration's response, blaming it on the media, only adds further shame. And uh, that's pretty powerful. That's pretty straightforward. There's no, there's no mincing words there. That is moral clarity, and I think absolutely, absolutely correct. Uh, Animal does have some thoughts. He adds that to call the events in Afghanistan over the past week a disgrace is akin to describing a gang, ra gang rape as a mild social deviation. This enormous language alert coming, this is an enormous clusterfuck, has done America's international reputation inestimable harm. It will take decades to recover our reputation, if indeed it can ever be recovered. We are in the process of abandoning, abandoning up to 10,000 American citizens in that shithole and maybe five or six times that many Afghanis who worked with our people as guides and interpreters. The Americans may get by with being held for ransom. The Afghanis face torture and death. Our NATO allies are well and truly pissed 
Remember, my friends, when Trump standing up to NATO wanting everybody to pay their fair share, meet their, their part of the agreement of NATO too, and Trump was bad and evil for doing it? Well, look what look what Biden has done. He has not only disgraced our military, the best in the world by far, but every other military that took part. He's made them look weak and vacillating too. And yet yeah, it is past time for him to go. Sad. Our NATO allies are well and truly pissed in the UK's parliament. Remember the UK, one of our best allies, the other half of that special relationship, supposedly our staunchest and most reliable ally in the world, has held Biden only in contempt. They may not have liked Trump, but I bet you damn well they respected him. And I damn well will will bet my last damn dollar that if Trump was still in office, UK wouldn't be pissed. Afghan wouldn't be going to where it's going. As, as Trump said the other day, he laid out an agreement. But as he also said, you don't take any military out until all the people, all the equipment, everything you want to get out is out. Then you take your people out, your military people out. Then as a parting gesture, at Trump's own words from a rally he had a day or two ago, you bomb the shit out of the air bases and you say, have a nice day. Amen. Lead with strength, not weakness, not vacillation, not uh, uh, this timidity. God, it's so disgusting. I'm so angry for our military because I respect them so much. The expression comes to mind of of someone I heard a speech given one time. And they were referencing an an English uh, author and historian. I can't remember their name. I'm sorry. But they had come up with a saying about militaries that are brave, honorable soldiers, but led by idiots. And the term was lions led by sheep. Our military are lions. The leadership right now are sheep, woke sheep. Uh, great piece, though. Go to uh, from bearcreek.com. Go there, read the whole thing. Uh, the headline is Animals, Di- Animals Daily Biden Failures News. <laughs> and it is. It's, it's, a, it's a screw up a day with Biden. And uh, there's an image of what should be the seal of Biden. A, uh, the presidential seal of the United States. We all know what that looks like. And instead of a picture of the president there, it's a picture of or the eagle. It's a picture of a potato. Perfect. And uh, again, not going to say anymore because I I truly do get emotional and very angry over it. Now we've got uh, some common sense from government. I worked at an airport in Dallas, the smaller one, Love Field, for years. And I saw a lot of things from the TSA. I saw people who who were a couple, not many, but who were just power hungry and absolutely mean as hell to people and had no business having any authority. I had some that seemed like they were just out to have a, you know, fun day, easy day and doesn't really care. I saw most of them were doing their jobs as best they could and were friendly, helpful and reasonable. And you don't often associate government with common sense. 
I mean, what's the joke? What's lower than the DMV? Nothing. Actually, I just recently changed my license to my new state. And you know what? I had no real problem. It was pretty, pretty quick, uh, uh, pretty quick process to get the ID changed over to a new state and all that taken care of. The only thing I had a problem with was the documentation I needed. It kept kind of changing. That was not pleasant. I had to take, I think, three trips. But I did get it done in, in pretty fast fashion once I was in there with the, with the stuff they needed. But you don't often associate government agencies with competence or common sense or anything like that. So you got to point out when they get it right, and the TSA got one right in the state of New Jersey. This comes from John Petroloni, uh, Petrolino, sorry, uh, from uh, Bearing Arms. Phenomenal site, Bearing Arms, part of uh, part of Katie Pavlich's empire that she has uh, at uh, Pajamas Media, or what used to be called Pajamas Media. I'm not sure if it's still called that or not, to be honest. But the article starts this way. It's not every day that we can look towards a government agency and say, wow, that actually made sense. The TSA has stumbled plenty by shaming people, showing their bias in a really open way. And shockingly, a press release from the TSA must be from Bizarro World. The release entitled Hawaii Man Stopped After TSA Catches Him with an Antique Gun at Newark Liberty International Airport Security Checkpoint. Now, this article goes on to explain what happened and how the situation was handled. Think about a man from Hawaii in New Jersey, the People's Republic of New Jersey, where you're not even allowed to pump your own gas. You can pump your own gas, but the the little thing you can hit, if you want to fill up your tank or have a lot of gas to pump, you just put the thing and it keeps pumping by itself. You don't have to hold it. Those are illegal in New Jersey because who knows? Because... New Jersey can't do what the other 49 states can do, I guess. I don't know. But in Newark, New Jersey, at the airport, which I've been to once, by the way, everything looked dirty. A Hawaii resident was stopped with a handgun at a TSA security checkpoint in Terminal A at Newark's Liberty International Airport on Saturday the 21st. Now, that sounds like this, this person's about to have a really bad day. Even it was an antique gun, was not loaded either. What's really important to understand, Petrolino writes, is that the state of New Jersey, to the state of New Jersey, an antique pistol is still a pistol. Very draconian gun laws in Jersey. I'm sorry, Jersey. They regulated the exact same way a brand new semi automatic handgun would be. Really. Recall the story of Gordon Van Gilder? Read up about the issue he had at the Republic of New Jersey. An antique firearm, his subsequent arrest, alleged smear campaign levied against him, and eventual dropping of charges. Yeah, and there's a link if you want to go to Bearing Arms and and read this. Uh, Story originally came from the Washington Times, uh, 2015. As for the TSA, I'm pretty sure the item would be prohibited as well. But what occurred next is shocking. The shocking part, someone working for the government actually used common sense. 
and got a great resolution out of the situation because they thought. I'm sure, I hope this man isn't named the agent because he'll get fired for being competent and having an IQ above, uh, above room temperature. Uh, a TSA officer stopped the man with an unloaded antique gun inside his carry-on bag when the carry-on bag entered the, the checkpoint x-ray. The man told officials it was his father's gun and he forgot that it was inside his carry-on bag. Police, the TSA, the authorities, they permitted the man to leave the airport to secure the weapon. Yes. This is a portion of the show, Petrolino writes, where Red Fox would grab his chest and tell Elizabeth he's on his way. Police permitted the man to leave the airport to secure the weapon. The release goes on to explain the methods behind the real common sense approach. Uh, not the common sense invoked by the Anti-Freedom Caucus to the transgression. You see, my friends, TSA reserves the right to issue what is called a civil penalty to travelers who have guns or gun parts with them at a checkpoint. Civic, uh, sorry, civil penalties for bringing a handgun into a checkpoint can stretch into the thousands of dollars, depending on mitigating circumstances. This applies to travelers with or without concealed carry permits, because even though an individual may have a concealed carry permit, it does not allow a firearm to be carried onto an airplane. That's a federal law. The complete list of civil penalties is posted online. If a traveler with a gun is a member of what is a TSA pre-check, that individual will lose those pre-check privileges. When an individual shows up at a checkpoint with a firearm, the checkpoint lane comes to a standstill until the police resolve the incident. And on and on, it can delay travelers. But the part that's really interesting is TSA reserves the right. They don't have to. In this case, common sense was used. Common sense. Last year, TSA officers detected 3,257 firearms on passengers or in their carry-on bags at checkpoints again last year. With a total number of passengers screened at airport checkpoints across the country, fell by 500 million compared to 2019. The result that twice as many firearms per million passengers screened were detected at checkpoints in 2020. And... TSA caught approximately 10 firearms per million passengers as compared to five firearms per million passengers in 2019. So of all these people, how many were given the opportunity just to be whipped and set free? Go back to their car, cancel their flight, go home, properly steal the firearm, whatever the case. If there was no criminal intent detected, Maybe, just maybe, uh, the TSA should take action by implementing an educational camp instead of tying people with no criminal intent up with legal fees and penalties. Use the situation as a teachable moment. And apparently that is what was done in uh, in uh, New Jersey. At, uh, and good for the TSA agent. Thinking is good. I hope this person is not punished demoted or fired for actually thinking we know that the left doesn't like thinking and now a very short story that could well 
only come from the great state of Alabama. Now to uh, have this incredible story, incredible story that only could happen in Alabama. We go to bearing arms again because at the heart of the story is someone got shot. It's the details of who got shot, who shot him, and where they were shot. That is is interesting. Tom Knighton, who is uh, a native Georgian. I know that because he points out in his piece, he begins by saying, as a native Georgian, I grew up telling jokes about Alabama. While I've got family and friends in the state, these jokes have always been part of our regional makeup. I mean, there had to be a reason all the trees on Georgia's western border lean to the west, right? Well, it's because Alabama sucks. See, Alabama and Georgia people talk about one another. As a native Floridian, I grew up, and I had several several fun interchanges with Georgia fans, Auburn fans, which is in the state of Alabama. Uh, not too much about Alabama fans because Gators and Bama weren't a big rival back then. We are now. Uh, because as Bear Bryant once famously said, if Florida ever gets the right coach, they're going to own this conference, this SEC. Well, they got Steve Spurrier, and guess what? Six of the first seven years he was there, they won the SEC championship. They also won it under him in 2000. They also won the first five and six of the first eight SEC East Division championships. And they owned Alabama during that time. And when uh, Urban Meyer came to town in 2005, it didn't take long. They won a couple more national championships. And they won SEC championships, SEC championships, had a Heisman Trophy winner. And now Alabama has assumed the top spot. So now we're hunting again. That's how great rivalries are born. So, again, I'm pointing that out to point out how brilliant a coach Spurrier and Urban Meyer are and how brilliant Bear Bryant was as a coach. Phenomenal, phenomenal uh, guy. But let's get to the story about Alabama and these little regional rivalries. I can talk bad about people from Georgia or Alabama or LSU fans or South Carolina fans. I can do that. So I'm a native southerner. And they can come back with jokes about me in the state of Florida or state of Texas where I lived for a year or for years or state of Mississippi or state of Tennessee, whatever. But when y'all people from up north that we sometimes call Yankees, when you start attacking the southerners, that's when we all begin to stick together and say, excuse me. You stand in the wrong part of the country, son. I suggest you take your Bermuda shorts, your dress socks, your black socks up to your knees, get off this beach, and get your ass back north of the Mason-Dixon line. Have a nice day. But anyway, this story from Alabama. Here's the, uh, here's the story from OregonLive.com. And just listen, this is this is Jerry Springer territory, my friends. An Alabama man was shot by his wife's boyfriend. Okay, that's not too 
far out of normal. These things do happen. Who was secretly living in the couple's home. So mama had her side dish and she was being served her side dish and her side dish and her husband's dish. And she moved the side dish secretly into her own home. And the boyfriend ended up shooting the husband. Yep. Sweet home, Alabama, baby. The Mobile County, the Mobile County, let me say it correctly. County Sheriff's Office said the wife told her husband who she cheating on with the man she's got secretly living in their home. So she tells her husband there was an intruder in their Crayola home Sunday night and he armed himself with a gun. That's WPMI uh, reporting that the men shot each other, <laughs> shot each other and both went to the hospital. A news outlet reported the sheriff's office said Michael Macker, the wife's boyfriend for over a year had been living at the house shortly before the shooting. That's from W-A-L-A. In other words, Tom Knight notes, the wife had been letting her boyfriend live with her and her husband, without her husband knowing, for a little while. She was even slipping him some food. Oh, she was slipping him a whole lot of stuff. He'd been there long enough to have several... <laughs> to have several... Several, I'm not sure how many several is in this case, but several urine-filled bottles as well. <laughs> hey, you got to go, you got to go. Here, you come over. We can have our rendezvous late at night. My husband's at home, not home or asleep, but you got to live and see. You got to live here, and, and I'll slip you some food, and I'll even give you some bottles to pee in. Yes, sir. You get a whole lot of loving from Mama that way, don't you? <laughs> Just... And then Tom Knighton loses it. He goes full-blown jerk mode by saying, how did this not happen in Florida? All I can say, Mr. Knighton, is how about them gators? Seriously, while all of those jokes are about Alabama, I heard growing up return to me, this is not what we joked about. This is too bizarre for any of that. So far, authorities haven't uncovered a motive for the wife to tell the husband that the boyfriend was an intruder, knowing her husband was armed, knowing the boyfriend was armed, probably knowing these things. Maybe she had life insurance on both of them. Maybe she just wanted the husband's life insurance to get rid of him. And she was kind of tired of the strain she had on the side, which she was hiding in her home, who was peeing in, in plastic bottles, I hope with caps on them, for God's sake. Huh. So they haven't uncovered that. That was the first thing that popped into my mind. That's because here's the, here's the top of the story. Here's a whipped cream with a cherry on top of the story. That's because she was too intoxicated. <laughs> too damn drunk. <laughs> intoxicated my butt. She was drunker than a skunk. <laughs> she was drunker than a Baptist preacher at a, at a Methodist conference. She was too intoxicated to be interviewed at the time. She had a drunk woman tells her husband there's an intruder in the home. Husband gets his gun, goes looking for the intruder, finds the intruder who also has a gun. They shoot at and shoot each other. Both have to go to the hospital. The guy who was the intruder was really her side boyfriend, and she's drunker than a skunk the whole time. Yep. 
I think there's three people need Jesus, at least two of them. Now, that sounds more like some of the jokes from the past, night and Notes. Anyway, while both men were both shot, the boyfriend is the one facing charges included attempted murder, possession of a firearm with an altered serial number. What a shocker. It was an illegal gun. I am stunned by that, my friends. And possession of a controlled substance. And no, I don't believe the controlled substance was the urine in uh, multiple bottles. I think uh, I think they're probably saying illegal drugs. And as Knight, and I kind of agree with this, not only was the man's wife sleeping around, but she moved the dude into his own home under his nose and got away with it for several days at least. But probably she could have gotten away with it with even longer if she didn't claim there was an intruder. But alas, all crazy things must come to an end. Wow. And think of all the jokes he's going to have to put up with from his buddies. Us Tom Knight and adds that. That's true. Hey, how you doing? How's your ex-wife? She get you shot lately? <laughs> all I want to know is who's going to get the trailer? Who's going to get the RV? Who's going to get the tractor? And by God, who's going to get the cussy of the dog? That's all I need to know. The hound dog living under the porch. God bless Dixie, but some of these folks, they need, uh, they need something. And now finally, we get to the story of the century. Quality Logo Products blog, QLPB, as the cool people know it, have, have done a survey, and they have, as of earlier this month, they have proclaimed the best, worst, most offensive, and yes, sexiest mascots in college sports. The categories are officially best and worst mascot, unsexiest mascot, sexiest mascot, creepiest mascot, and the most offensive college mascots in America. So who won these? And I'm really focused on the, the most offensive ones because we have to be woke. There's the best, which is apparently Willie the Wildcat from Northwestern. University is the the best, followed by Panther of the University of Memphis. It's a the Memphis Tigers with the tiger guy in a tiger suit, but it doesn't look very fearsome. And the name Pouncer, I mean... I don't know. Hi, I'm Panther. I'm an Aries, and I really like to travel. And like, I want to be like a like hairstylist when I'm all done and done with this mascot thingy. Okay, thank you. Then there's uh, the mascots of the Air Force, which is the bird, came in fourth. The Navy mascot, uh, which is Bill the Goat, is fifth. Uh, the University of Houston Shasta, that's a that's a cougar. The Oregon Duck is seventh, and then there's uh, Goldie Gopher, <laughs> uh, who's the ninth best. And they say Joe and Josephine Bruin, which are the UCLA mascots. Then there's the worst, and number one is Pistol Pete of Oklahoma State University. Why? He's he, one thing he has his gigantic head. 
and he does shoot a gun, so that may trigger some people. Then there's Purdue Pete, who uh, yeah, pretty scary looking actually. Purdue. There's cayenne. <laughs> the guy's dressed up as a cayenne pepper. That is, of course, University of Louisiana at Lafayette. There's Hey Reb, which is the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Vili the Warrior of Hawaii. Uh, the Nittany Line of Penn State. Very odd looking lion. I'm not sure what the hell a Nittany Line is. I don't know. Uh, then there's uh, Stanford Tree, which is to me the worst mascot in all of history of all sports. Uh, the Demon Deacon of Wake Forest. I always thought he was kind of cool. And uh, Chanticleer of Coastal Carolina. Now we go to the sexiest. Uh, a Willie the Wildcat wins again. Apparently he was paying judges or something. The Army Mule is the number two sexiest. Hmm. Mr. Commodore of Vanderbilt is the third sexiest. Really? Really? Uh, there's some other notables. The Yukon Huskies mascot is uh, six. Sammy the Spartan from San Jose State is seventh. And, well, this is from the University of Arizona, which I believe is the alma mater of one Katie Pavlich, who I'm a huge fan of. Uh, one of the great young minds of America. I hope she's president one day. And apparently Wilbur and Wilma Wildcat of the Arizona Wildcats are the eighth sexiest pair. And then there's a Duke Blue Devil who I hate all things Duke. I just have to admit. And which mascots do men and women find sexiest? The women find the Duke Blue Devil because he's horny maybe. I don't know. The sexiest. And men. Men? Men? find that Mr. Commodore of Vanderbilt University is the sexiest? Okay, whatever. Most men, I guess, ask, have different opinions than me. Now, there's the unsexiest category. There's, and there's, uh, if you go to quality, uh, qualitylogoproducts.com, you can find this story. And uh, you can look at some of the pictures. And then we move down to the creepiest college mascots. Uh, some of the same ones that were on the, the worst ones. The only ones different really are Tony the Land Shark at University of Mississippi. Uh, Sparky the Sun Devil. And Boko the Bobcat of Texas State. Now, why did why would Ole Miss have a land shark as a mascot when they're the Ole Miss Rebels, oh, of course, because they're woke. And then there's the most offensive, offensively offensive mascots. There's the Cavalier of the University of Virginia. I don't know why he's particularly offensive. He does have a sword. He's a Cavalier, so he's a white male, so I guess that's it. There's Pistol Pete of New Mexico State University. And... Although he has a gratuitously large mustache, that's obviously fake. Uh, why would he be offensive? Oh, of course, pistol. He's got a pistol. I'm triggered. Oh, my God. Help me. 
Sparky the Sun Devil is offensive to some. Kind of cool looking mascot. I guess I don't know who would be offended. Some overly religious people, maybe. Some overly Baptist Baptists. Uh, there's the Hey Reb from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, the running rebels. Because rebel, bad. Confederacy, all bad. Uh, there's a West Virginia Mountaineer. He's like, he's dressed like Daniel Boone, and he like killed a raccoon to get that coon skin cap, and the word coon's offensive on top of that. And he's like, and a firearm is like a rifle. It's like an assault musket. I can't take it. Uh, then, of course, there's Pistol Pete. Also, the, the, the presence of a pistol, I'm sure, is too offensive. Then there's a leprechaun. They're a little leprechaun at Notre Dame. And as much as I detest Notre Dame, mainly because of their some of their fan base really think they're the you-know-what of college football. Yeah, Newt Rockney's dead. And your arguments don't make any sense. The fact is, uh, Notre Dame is a great uh, traditional power, great university. Why would the leprechaun be offensive? It's anything that might mock Irish heritage. Excuse me, my last name is Irish, okay? I come from a lot of Irish people. And you people who are offended by the by the leprechaun? You're welcome to intercourse yourselves, laddies. Fuck off. Then there's Vili the Warrior, who is the mascot of the University of Hawaii. And, well, he's a... I don't know why he'd be offensive. The, I mean, he's got some, some like war paint on and looks like he's based on a Hawaiian, I don't know, Hawaii, uh, traditional Hawaiian warrior, maybe. I don't know. I haven't done the research on him, but just that he offends snowflakes makes me like him. Then there's the Aztec warrior of San Diego State University. Again, if he's based on an Aztec. Now, is it offensive because Aztecs are being mocked by this predominantly white, racist, white supremacist culture of evil America? Or is it because the Aztecs did some really nasty things to people like, uh, you know, sacrificing some of their own people to their gods? Is that woke? That's okay. But uh, again, just the, the duplicity and the... The inconsistency, moral inconsistency of the left. And number one shocks me. It is, I'll give them credit, even though it's Florida State. Perhaps, the, the to me, the, I'll do a quick top five right after this, but the greatest, one of the greatest entrances, pregame rituals in college football, they have a Seminole Indian. And the, he plays Osceola, who was a legendary leader of the Seminoles. And the horse is called Renegade. And in the pregame, he comes out with a flaming spear and rides to, to the 50-yard line and jabs the spear very dramatically into the center field and then raises his hand and the crowd goes crazy at Dope Campbell Stadium. And uh, it's really cool. It's really awesome. And it's in my top five. I'll, I'll list you. But why would anyone be offended? The The Florida State Seminoles have the full support of the 
Seminole Nation, the Seminole tribe. Actual Seminole Indians are all in on this. So who are you to tell the Seminole Indians what should or should not offend them? Why don't you woke people mind your own business and stop picking on Osceola and Renegade and God help me, I just defended Florida State. Uh, Oh, well, it's okay. It's okay. I'll make it. I still bleed orange and blue, my pe- my, uh, my friends. So that's the show, except for what I just decided, executive decision, to have a top five since college football starts in uh, four days. And since we just had this college mascot lists up for the sexiest, unsexiest, offensive, blah, 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 best and worst, whatever. The five best entrances in college football. And I've already given you Florida State and Osceola. To me, that is the that is the 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 third best. And I'll give you the top two in a minute. That'd be the third best would be Osceola, the entrance of Florida State. I think to me the fourth best is is at the University of Tennessee. A, they're playing Rocky Top, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal college fight song. Rocky Top is awesome. They have all the, the cheerleaders and band, I guess it is. And when the players come out to start the game out of the locker room onto the field, they come through the end zone and they have a big T. The, the band it forms a big T. And then they separate and the players run between the T. It's really cool. Uh, that one, I think, would be uh, would be fourth, tied with the Clemson Tigers entrance. When they there's Howard's Rock at the at the top of this hill, they come out of the locker room. They all touch Howard's Rock, which is named for coach a coach they had years ago, a legendary coach named Coach Howard, obviously. And then they run down this very steep field onto the field, and it, it's really cool. Then you have that one in Tennessee, kind of tied for fifth. You have fourth is the University of Texas because they sing the best fight song in all of college football. The eyes of Texas are upon you. It's awesome. The reason that is the best is two reasons. One, it's offensive to the left. And B, it, is, it comes from a historic event. So University of Texas at Austin, obviously. Back in the war between the states, there was the the Texas Brigade. Originally, it was called Hood, General John Bell Hood, when he commanded the Texas Brigade. Obviously, he's a brigadier general. He was then promoted to division command to major general. He still, that Texas Brigade was still under his command. And after he had left, he'd been wounded to Gettysburg, was in the Western Theater of the War. The first battle between Grant and Lee was the Wilderness. And the Texas Brigade, now commanded by General Gregg, was made up of the 4th and 5th Texas Infantry Regiments. And I can't remember that there was also an Arkansas Brigade with them. But I forget if they were three or four regiments. I'd have to look it up. And at the Battle of the Wilderness, Grant is making inroads against Lee. And it's that point of the battle where 
Longstreet has been detached. He's coming up with his troops on the second day of the battle. Uh, the battle opened on, on the 4th of May, 1864. This is the 5th. Longstreet's returning from North Carolina with two of his brigades and uh, two of his, his uh, divisions, excuse me. And the Texas Brigade is kind of the first ones there. And Lee is ready to lead a countercharge to hold the line. That's how serious this is. Well, here comes the Texas Brigade. And Greg, General Greg, urges them on. Lee's watching you. And they start yelling, Lee to the rear, Lee to the rear, getting him out of danger. And they go repair the damage, push the Yankees back. And Lee goes on to win a, a spectacular victory over Grant. Uh, really gave him a bad, bad bloody nose in that battle. Maybe I'll do a podcast on it one, one time. Who knows? But anyway, that moment when Greg said the eyes of General Lee are upon you to the Texas Brigade flashed to modern times, the University of Texas, the eyes of Texas are upon you. That's where that comes from. And that's why so many people are offended by it. And they try to get it canceled. Uh, so that would be, to me, fourth. And then you have the Seminoles, third. And number two and number one. Number two, and perhaps there's some bias here, but the University of Florida, my beloved Gators, if you're in the swamp, which is what Steve Spurrier named Florida Field, uh, he named it the Swamp. That's the nickname. Still applies today. Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. It's now Steve Spurrier Field at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Uh, so it's not called Florida Field anymore. And, of course, it's always going to be known as the Swamp. But they have this huge video playing. and You hear the Jaws music from the band. Then you have this video of alligators doing their thing and fighting in the Swamp. And this ominous voice of the PA announcer says, uh, The Swamp. Only Gators get out alive. And then the crowd goes crazy and the players run on the field and the alma mater plays. Awesome moment. It is to me the second best. And the number one best, the best to me, is Auburn. War Eagle, right? Where else do you have an actual bald eagle? Or is it a golden eagle? I think they go back and forth. But you have the eagle come and soar into the stadium and land on the 50-yard line and get whatever whatever bait they use for when they, they fly falcons or, or eagles. They fly birds of prey. That's where he trained me to go get this. It is awesome because everyone's screaming war eagle, and here comes this magnificent eagle flying into the stadium with tens of thousands of people and lands right there at the 50-yard line and you know, will, will they'll cover their their prey, their meal with the wings. Incredible sight. Number one thing in college football to be, uh, as far as an entrance, entrance, and the rest are all awesome. And there's some other awesome ones too. Miami Hurricanes coming out of the smoke, and I can name a bunch more. Uh, but to me, that is the best one in college football. So that's the top five for y'all. I don't do it very much. And that's the show, my friends. I'm done. I am going to now, uh, I don't know what I want to do. Who knows? Bask in my greatness or something. Work on my humility, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? But thank you for listening. Morning, noon, night, whenever you do, I do appreciate it. Uh, traffic's up. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. 
And if you want to support thedailygator.com or the Daily Gator Daily Thought Podcast, you can do it two ways. You can do a one-time donation. Go to thedailygator.com. Look on the first post right there at the bottom. a little buy now button. Links to my PayPal page. It's also on the sidebar. Uh, you can donate. You can donate on a monthly basis. Become a subscriber at Anchor at Spotify. Anchor.fm. Uh, dot Doug Hagen will get you there and you can listen to all my podcasts and you can donate. You just set up a, a certain amount each month and, and there you go. And you can increase it, decrease it, stop it at any time. Very user friendly. Uh, Anchor really is a, a uh, really easy platform. Thank you very much, my friends. Have a wonderful rest of your Saturday, a wonderful Sunday I'll take either tomorrow or Monday off. I haven't decided yet. I just haven't decided. Uh, and actually, this is Thursday, isn't it? See, I don't even know what damn day of the week it is. Tomorrow's Friday. You will get a podcast from me. I had a brain fart. I was looking at the calendar and and just looked at it wrong. My apologies. Not even I'm perfect. But thank you again for listening. Remember the three golden rules of life, my friends. If you're left. You'll never be right. Go Gators. Just four more days. And yes, yes, yes. God bless America. Take care, my friends. Grazie. Gracias. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day.